Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Slap your neighbor a high five. Don't slap your neighbor. Slap him a high five. Tell him it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Don't want anybody getting hurt. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. Thank you, Pastor, for those kind words. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I feel a little bit of a heaviness in my spirit this evening. I, uh, I've got three tries to get this right. If I don't get it right tonight, I guess I've got November and December. But each month is a different uh, setting, so I've got tonight to get through one, one portion of the series. We're starting a three-part series, as Pastor mentioned, on connecting been a while since we've come before you uh, with uh, the, the biblical necessity and need of workers in the church, uh, something I felt earlier this year that we had talked about and we wanted to take a little bit of a different approach to it, so we're starting, starting slow and trying to build on it this time rather than just saying, hey, you want to do something, because it's important that we connect the right way. So tonight I'm going to be coming to you with a a kind of a theme, if you will, of connecting to God, uh, serving as a launching pad for the next uh, three months of meetings and discussions that will follow afterwards. Um, I'll be coming to you from both spiritual and practical perspectives in this series. Tonight will probably be perhaps maybe the most spiritual of the three. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll hit everyone, those of you that like practical stuff, we'll get to you as well. Uh, but we want to lay a solid biblical foundation before we move on to the more practical stuff. And then in November the 18th, we'll, we'll talk about connecting to each other. And then in December on the 23rd, we'll talk about connecting to the church. And then on Saturday morning, January the 5th, I want to go ahead and just broadcast this. That way you can, you can start making plans to attend if you're interested it is not a church-wide event, but it is a open forum event for our leaders, particularly everyone who is on volunteer staff in this church, and as well as anyone who would be interested in working in the church. We're going to have a morning session on January the 5th, and we're going to go over some things for the new year. So we are leading up to that. Somebody say amen. If you have your Bibles tonight and would turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 12, while you're turning there, I want to give honor tonight to uh, our pastor and his wife. They just did an outstanding job, first class job on our marriage retreat this weekend, and uh, their leadership and their heart for the kingdom, I love and appreciate them so much. Uh, If you missed it, uh, regardless of the reason, if you missed it, I want to just encourage you to get involved. We're talking about connecting tonight, so I think it's appropriate to kind of encourage people to get involved in things that may not have formerly been in your comfort zone. It's important. I remember a day, perhaps uh, 20-something years ago, we had a marriage uh, retreat here within the tri-state area, and several of us went, and we had an absolutely amazing time. And uh, I, uh, I want to be reduplicating those memories. Amen. And I appreciate the past memories, but I want to be making some new ones. So, uh, Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Some of you are probably wondering, what in the world does this scripture have to do with connecting? We're going to get there. 
I hope. And if we don't, you can just look at me like I am crazy, and we'll say amen and go home. All right? But we're going to get there with the help of the Lord tonight. You look at your neighbor tonight and tell him, I want to connect to God. You may be seated. Lord bless you. Connecting to connect is defined as to join. There's several definitions, and I want to go over them them evenly tonight uh, just for your consideration. To join, link, or fasten together. Number two is to establish communication between, to connect. Number three is to have as an accompanying feature. Number four is to cause to be associated as in a personal or business relationship, to have a connection. Number five is to associate mentally or physically, to if, if someone's talking about something and all of a sudden it just clicks, you've connected with them. You, you, you've got the connection. And number six definition of the word connect is to link to an electrical or communications system or to hook up. The question tonight is how do we connect to God? Now I've not come with any new revelation tonight. All right, You're not going to hear anything that you've probably not heard. Uh, Maybe heard enough to, to just make you, you nauseated just a little bit. But you're going to hear it again with emphasis and focus on the subject of connecting to God. How do we connect to God? Let's cover the obvious first. Prayer. Worship. Word. God's word, that is. Repentance. Baptism. Holy Ghost. Godly living. Those are the basics, the fundamentals of how we connect to God. Now, I just want to, I want to say something, though, because I, I fear that when we talk about prayer and when we talk about the Word of God, that we, we build up this idea in our mind that we just cannot live up to the expectation. When we talk about prayer... We're not suggesting that you have to pray an hour a day. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't. If you have the time capacity and you're into that and you, you can do that, God bless you, do it. You'll be blessed for it. But what I would like to say tonight carefully is let's not set our expectations so high that we land on zero. If you've got five minutes... Pray five minutes. Now, God knows if you've got 20 and you only give him five. That's not for me to get in the middle of. That's between you and him. But the important thing tonight is that you pray. All right? Same thing with your word of God. I I have heard pastor talk about his reading regimen. And his reading regimen is that that is probably, I'm not judging it, but it's probably suitable for a pastor. That's his occupation. I think you would be an error to try to set your reading regimen to match his. Now, this is just my opinion, all right? If you can, if if you've got the time, knock yourself out. Read all day long. You'll be blessed for it. But if you don't have that, don't set your expectations to the point that, well, if I'm not reading the way my pastor is, I might as well not read at all. Read something. I used to tell our young people this, and I'll still continue to tell them and old folks alike, that I don't care if you read one verse. Read. And we are well beyond, in this society, we are well beyond people using the excuse of I don't like to read. And the reason why I feel justified in saying that tonight is because all you have to do is say two words, social media. You are reading. Reading is not about novels and books. You are reading something. So let's let's not go there and and save each other both the, the time and the hassle. Worship. We can, now listen to this, we can be plugged into the source, and refuse to turn the switch on. 
We'll come back to that. Hebrews chapter 13 has several verses of scripture that I feel kind of encapsulates these uh, foundational topics of how we connect to God when it says in verse number 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Prayer, worship, word, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, godly living. We can't just stop after Acts 2.38. We've got to have godly living to be connected to God. Now, let's move now into our scripture reading in Genesis chapter 12. It recants the story of Abram's journey to a land that I will show thee, is what God said. This is known in the original text as Abraham's lech lecha. It means in the English language to go forth. If you read in the Torah, the Torah is nothing more than the first five books of the Bible written in Hebrew. If you read it, there is a subject heading at the top of this chapter that identifies it, separates it from everything else, and it identifies it as his lech his go forth. It's possible that in your English Bible that you have a topical heading above this chapter that also says something to the effect of the call of Abraham or of Abram. However, to provide proper context tonight to this very powerful segment of scripture, I want to back up a few verses into the preceding chapter and we'll work our way forward into what the Lord has said in Genesis chapter 12. Beginning in Genesis 11 verse number 27, the story begins to unfold. Now here's what's happening. Genesis chapter 12 is picking up with the second time that God has called Abram. But you don't know that yet. Because you, you really don't even see it physically in Genesis 11. But I want to point it out to you because it's there. So Genesis 12 is picking up the second time, but there was a first time. Genesis 11:27 says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. Everybody remembers Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there. Haran now is a city. It's not the, it's not the sun. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. I want to quickly summarize. We do not see written proof yet in this passage of Scripture of God's instruction to Abram to go anywhere. But yet Abram is already on a pilgrimage to go into the land of Canaan. Acts chapter 7 and verse number 2 reveals to us, and he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. If God spoke to Abram when he was in Mesopotamia, then it was while he was in the city of Ur of the Chaldees. He hadn't left yet. Terah, his father, takes him, his wife, it takes Lot and his wife, and they begin their journey. They make it as far as the city of Haran, not to be confused with the son Haran who was in our scripture text. They dwelt, the Bible says, in Haran. Terah died in Haran. Terah means delay. All right? Haran means crossroads. 
In following the voice of God from the first call that we see revealed to us in Acts 7-2, unfolding in Genesis 11-27, Abram is delayed at a crossroads because of his family. The mission was not to stop in Haran. The mission was to get to Canaan land. That was always the ultimate goal for the children of Israel, to get to Canaan. But they stop, and the Bible says that they dwelt in Haran. And because of this, Abram's mission is delayed. Abram's steps are stalled. He is at a crossroads, and he is delayed by his father. And because of this, God steps back in in Genesis chapter 12 and 1, and now he begins a second call that we see where that he says, this is the lech leha. He begins the go forth call to Abram, and he says in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, I'll read it again in your hearing. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. This is why he's specifying to get out of his father's house. is because it was being in his father's house and traveling with his father that put him in delay mode to begin with. All right, we're going to get to connect here in just a moment. Unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. We've seen this revealed today. Look at the countries who support Israel. Look at the countries who don't. All you have to do is turn the news on, folks. Israel is a country that is small, as small as or smaller than the state of, of New Hampshire. They've got about 8 million people countrywide. It's not a huge place. It's a small place. But oh, how blessed they are. Oh, how protected they are. Oh, how favored they are. They have been made a great nation out from under the leadership of Abram through the promise of God. I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless thee, make thy name great, thou shalt be a blessing, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse number 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. It is important tonight that we understand a few basic elements in this passage as it relates to Abram's go-forth journey. What's different with the second call? What's different in, in the second call in contrast to the first call? Abram, get out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Terah is dead. They just buried him in Haran. So why is it necessary for God to specify to Abram to get out of his father's house when he's already left his father's house, as we saw in Acts chapter 7? According to Jewish legend, Terah was not only an idol worshiper, but was actually a maker of idols. Terah was not a God follower. In the first call that we don't really see spelled out, but hopefully you understand it tonight. In the first call when Terah takes his sons and his daughter-in-laws and they begin their journey, that's nothing more than a dad trying to do good by his boy. I hate to tell you. Terah was not following the voice of God. Abram was. And Terah said, let's go. But the problem was, along the journey... While Abram's trying to follow the mind of God in his steps to a land that he doesn't know of, he is following out of respect to a father who is a family member who is an idol God worshiper. That's a problem. Because it, it, not, it distracted Abram. So he gets delayed at a crossroads in Haran. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't research it. I don't know how long they were there, but they were there long enough that God finally steps back in and says, go. This is your go forth moment. So let's put this in perspective just a little bit. This is according to Mason's Law interpretation of King James Writ. Abram receives a call of God to go. 
Terah leads the charge, as I just explained to you, in support of his son's God calling. No direct evidence for or against this, but this is, this is how I read it. Somewhere along the journey, this patriarch, this idol God worshiper and idol maker, begins to struggle within himself. Imagine the storyline. I believe it's conceivable tonight to believe that Terah begins to question within himself, what am I doing? Why am I supporting this? This is not the God that I serve. This goes against my livelihood. I'll, I'll not be able to bring bread back home to my family because I'm, I'm helping my son follow a God that I have nothing to make for. Are you, are you following me tonight? This goes against everything I stand for. As a result of their struggle, they stopped their journey in Haran at the crossroads. Terah, the maker of idols, has delayed Abram's God calling because of his own crossroads of life. In his first calling, Abram is therefore delayed because of his family's indecisiveness to continue the journey with him. God removes the delay out of the way. Terah dies. Then we pick up Abram's lech lecha, his go forth moment and message in Genesis chapter 12. God is now very specific in nature to his command. He says, Abram, get out of that country. He's already left Ur, but he's stuck in Haran and that's not where he belongs. Get out of that country. From thy kindred, leave the idol God worshiping family behind. From thy father's house, dad may have died. But don't go back home to indecision and idol, idol worshiping and idol delays. Keep going forward to a land that I will show you. Somebody shout hallelujah. So here's the key. Abram had already taken the first step. God did not want Terah's crossroad to become Abram's crossroad. God did not want Terah's delays. Hear me tonight. We're going to connect the dots. To become Abram's delays. God stepped in with fresh word for Abram in hopes that he might continue the journey that he had already started. Because God had an ultimate plan for Abram that was much bigger than how Abram was. Hear me tonight and hear me well, ladies and gentlemen. If we are not careful, we will do the exact same thing that Abram did. And we will get stuck in a lifestyle of indecisiveness and indecision in our walk with God because of our family, because of our friends, because of our associates, because of our sons, because of our daughters. Let me tell you something. There is only one thing that's important in your life that has to be first for you to be successful with God, and that is you are saved. My parents didn't save me. My dad being a pastor didn't save me. I was as lost as lost could be. You say, well, Brother Mason, you didn't do what I did. Well, first of all, you don't know what I did. And secondly, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I was a 13-year-old lust-driven boy or if I was a bartender. It doesn't matter. Sin, sin. Growing up in a pastor's home didn't save me. It did not position me for greater success for salvation. I don't have a leg up on any of you that did not grow up in a pastor's home. Nothing. Because I've got to be saved for myself. I have, to, I have to stop being delayed at the crossroad. What I'm getting at tonight is some of you have got a, a Haran in your life. And you're stuck. And what I'm bringing you tonight is I want you to be able to connect to God because it, connecting to God is what's going to get Haran out of your life. We need to get beyond the delays. I hate construction delays. Anybody like them? No. I hate them. I hate them with passion. I, I, as a matter of fact, I hate just about any kind of delay. I, I'm, I'm, patience is not my, 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 my most notable positive quality. 
don't like being delayed. I don't like being stopped whenever I'm trying to get to point B and there's something between me and point B. I don't think God likes for us to be delayed either. But I fear we're delaying ourselves because of indecisiveness. We're at crossroads. Do I go here? Do I go here? And since we don't have an answer, we don't do anything. One of the most dangerous things you can do in an apostolic church is join up, get saved, and do nothing. Dangerous. So dangerous. You are making yourself the bedrock for an enemy's playground. You need to do something. We'll get into that more in subsequent sessions, but you need to be connecting to something because this is not only practical, this is not only matter of life, but there is a spiritual aspect to your journey. And once you cross the line of being, let's call it saved and unsaved, once you cross that line biblically where that you have partaken of salvation plan according to Acts chapter 2, you've got a target on your back. Not by your church family, but by the world. You may have a target on your back by your natural family. Now, I know what I'm talking about because I know people who have endured it. I know some in this church and I know some that I grew up with outside of this church that you don't even know. They'd rather their son been high, high on drugs and strung out on rock and roll than to go to church on a Sunday morning. God forbid. But if we're not careful, what will happen is because of that, we'll stall. We'll start a journey. That's what Abram did. We'll start a journey. Acts chapter 2, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling the Holy Ghost. I've started my journey. I'm equivalent to Abram right now in Genesis 11, the unspoken mission call. I'm, 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 I'm on a journey. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm on a journey, and I'm walking with God, and I'm doing pretty good, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm following his steps. My family's not giving me too much trouble until all of a sudden I get to something. And I go to make a choice for God. And those that are around me say, eh, what are you doing that for? Well, what do you mean? Why shouldn't I do that? Well, why is that necessary? This script isn't in my notes, all right? Just, just walk with me here. What happens then if we're not careful, if we are, if we are not strong enough on our journey's mission, is we are now delayed. We're smack dab downtown metropolis Haran, crossroad. I don't know what to do. God says this, family, friends, associates, whoever says this, and I want to please them all. Let me tell you something, you'll never please them all. Now, let me calibrate this with some support and challenge and be very challenging right now for the moment, all right? Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelt. Who are you willing to go to hell for? That should be part of our thought process. Am I, am I willing to sacrifice God's mission for my life just to make someone happy in the here and now? That is going to be typical because God took Abram's Terah out of the picture. Now, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not here to prophesy gloom and doom. I'm not saying God's going to take all your distractions away from you because I don't think he's going to make it that easy for us. I think he wants us to press through the struggle. And he wants us to make some decisions. Pastor touched on it this morning. He wants us to, to serve him because of him, not because he's got a thumb on us. So I need to connect to God at a level of depth that allows me to say I'm not being delayed. If God called me, I'm going to keep walking. And if I look behind the crossroad and family, friends, and associates are still there because they don't want to follow, I'm still walking because heaven is my gain. <coughs> I've got a heaven to gain, I've got a hell to shun, and I've got a world to win. And we'll never do it delayed at the crossroads of Haran. Oh, somebody lift your hands and just worship him together right now.
one time. I want to talk for just a moment about detractors of being connected. Things that take away from our being. Now, now just, just listen to me for a second, please. Uh, I'm not coming to you tonight as an evangelist. I am approaching this series as an administrative pastor. I'm kind of in recruiting mode here, all right? And there's some things we've got to cover. But I am not anti-family. All right? If that's, if that's the message you're getting, you've, you've missed everything I've said. I am not anti-family. As a matter of fact, I am so not anti-family that I think that we do ourselves and the church and God a, 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 a huge disservice tonight if we who are saved fail to associate ourselves with family who are not. I would almost declare it's wrong. But that's, as the Apostle Paul would say, that is I, not the Lord. All right? But I am not anti-family. If we cannot be a light to our family, who are we going to be a light to? At any rate, there are justifiable times where family, friends, associates, colleagues, people are distractions in a very, very spiritual sense. And if you are not minded enough, strong enough, willful enough to set your foot down and say, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. But this is my lifestyle choice. Then you may follow under the guise of where Jesus said that he did come to bring a sword. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's an option. Because, now I, I, I love my mom and dad. I do. And if they ever listen to this pod, podcast on podcast, mom, I love you, dad, I love you. But I'm not willing to go to hell for them. I know that's strong, but it's Sunday night. We can do that, can't we? I'm not willing... If my parents walked away from the church tomorrow, I am not willing to follow them. I would mourn for them. I would reach for them. But I would not walk with them. The same as, now I may have touched on this uh, the last time I had a microphone. I don't remember when it was. But I can recall multiple times, multiple times growing up, hearing adult conversations, being in the presence as a, as a child and as a a growing young adult hearing others mock at my parents because they took my brother and I to church. Because my parents' stand was very strong that as long as I was living in their house, we were going to church. And I agree with that one million percent. But because of that, you know, this is back in the, the, the Dr. Spock era where you, you didn't want to say anything that would hurt anybody's tender delicacies. Because of that, people would mock at my parents and say, you're going to run them away from God. When they, when they get 18, they're going to run away from you so much, they'll never turn around and look back. They'll never go to church again if you make them go to church now. Well, first of all, the people that were saying that, that didn't make their kids go to church, their kids still aren't in church. Their grandkids aren't in church. Their great-grandkids aren't in church. They did not establish a family heritage of church because they did not enforce it. But I remember what my parents, it didn't matter if it was mom by herself, dad by himself, or them together, they were unified in their approach. I remember their response. It rings loudly in my, my ears still today. You may be right, but until that day, we're going to do everything we can do in our power to do our jobs. And when he grows up, if he chooses to go to hell on his own, that's his choice. That didn't cost you anything. All right, that was free. Detractors of being connected. Lord, we're 34 minutes in. I've got to move. 
detractors, things that take away from us being connected. Again, not trying to, to, to beat the horse till he's not breathing anymore. Family who don't serve God. Friends who don't serve God. We'll move on after that. Self-limitations. We limit ourselves more than we should. It's called inhibition versus prohibition. When you declare, well, Pastor, I, I can't do that. Who said? Is somebody telling you you can't do that or are you telling yourself? Are you inhibited or are you prohibited? There's a major, major difference. But our enemy capitalizes on that tonight. Gets into our psychology and tells us that, that we're limited. We can't do this. I, I'm limited because of education. I'm limited because of resources. I don't have the finances. I don't have the car. I don't have this. I don't have that. We do not lack for making a reason why we're limited. Self-limitations. Another detractor. Lack of willingness to be involved. You've got to want to. Loss of something to connect to. Unforgiveness of others. It's like a cancer. You get unforgiveness in your spirit. It's dangerous. One, one, one very, very powerful leadership lesson I have learned, uh, probably even specifically within the last five years, is it doesn't matter what I do. Somebody's not going to like something. Now, I'm not, I'm not throwing off on the church. That's not even a church reference. That's a career reference. Although it probably applies here too because people are people. I'm, I, I help manage a business of, of over 100 people. And if, and that's a, man, that's a capital I, capital F, italicized, bold type, underscore, aerial font, bold. I mean, that's just... If there is a day that I make all hundred plus of them happy at the same time, it's going to last about 15 seconds. And the only way that happens is if, if we call them together and say, hey, guess what? A miracle's occurred this week. You did a great job. Go home early. And I, I actually have moved on. I don't even, I delegate those positive announcements from my management team. I don't even make those personally anymore because one of them called me on the carpet one day something good was about to happen and I said I want to, I want to gather everybody together and, and tell them and she looked at me with, with sincerity and humility she looked at me and she said could you not <laughs> okay why she said because I always get to tell the bad news and you always get to tell the good news <laughs> alright lesson learned so I backed off and let, let them start giving the good news as well so you, you don't make everybody happy. But I've, I've learned that I can't, Bishop, I can't even focus on that. It's not important enough. Somewhere out there, I'm going to say something, someone's going to misunderstand it. They're going, I get interpreted every day like, it, like it's a foreign language. And sometimes it makes its way back to me, sometimes it don't. I really bless those days that it don't. But on the days that it does, I just kind of shake my head and say, well, not what I said, not what I meant, but if that's what they heard, just trying to be a blessing. But I can't focus on that. Because if I focus on that, then my, my mind starts warping it into, well, they're out to get me. That's malicious behavior. They're lying on me. They're telling stories. And, and it, it takes on a, a life form of its own. And once that life form has breath in it, You've got the breeding ground for unforgiveness and bitterness because there's this thing hanging out there that no one even knows where it came from. And the best resolution is to let it go. If it's important enough, that person will come talk to me about it. If it's not, so what? Detractors of being connected, cherry-picking who we pray for. I'm talking to the church now. Someone's in the altar. I've seen it. All right. 
If you're, if you're here tonight and you're, you're a guest, you're just hearing some things that we believe in. If you're listening by way of podcast, you're just hearing some things that we believe in. But we, everybody should be prayed for equally. We should be loving everybody. But too often we fall into this, this trap of, well, I'm not praying for them. Now, you don't have to say it to say it. And pastor qualified that this morning with faith without, faith without works is dead. Our actions or our inaction is proof enough of the things that we would like to say sometimes. When there is people who approach this altar and they're And then there's someone from across the way on the third aisle back. I don't know who the third aisle back is. I'm not looking. Someone across the way will stay at about a 30-yard distance. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them. Let me tell you something. People don't need your pity. They need your prayer. And if you're going to lay your hands on someone else, then you need to lay your hands on all other else. Because that will disconnect you from the power source. Because it's a diversion. It's a disconnection. And I don't have time to get into the book of 1 Corinthians on that, but it's there. Lack of trust in your leadership when you disagree. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. It's easy. It's fun. It's fun to work together when we agree with each other. I'll move on. We'll just let that marinate for a while. Making a lifestyle of excuses and not taking personal responsibility will disconnect you from God. Allow me to read it one more time. Making a lifestyle of excuses and not taking personal responsibility. There are some things that is just your fault. Now, I'm being practical here, but there is a spiritual layer to this. There are decisions that we make. And I know people who are the kings and queens of self-justification. And they are as creative as it can be when it comes to posturing why. But here's the thing. It don't matter whether I believe you or not. I'm not your power source. God is. So my, my question to you tonight for you to ponder on, if I could provoke you to thinking, is what does God think of your reason? Pastor, I can't. Okay, fine. What does God think of that I can't? Does God interpret that I can't as you won't? Or does he sincerely understand because you're being transparent? Just because you make an excuse doesn't mean it is one. Last one. Probably not the last one, but it's the last one on my list, so I'll stop with it. A detractor of being connected is lack of submission. You cannot gauge your submission to spiritual authority based on your agreement. If I come to pastor, and I say, pastor, I feel like we need to do, we need to do something. And I reveal to him X, Y, Z what something is. And he says to me, I don't think so or not now. Well, that's fine. I'll just do it myself. You know what I just told him? I don't need you. You know what I just told him? I'm bound and determined to do it regardless of your support or not. So I'm not submitted to you. So if you don't want to do it, I'll do it anyway. Fine. That is a complete and total lack of submission. And that is a dangerous place to live. Submission, by example, would be, okay, sir, if you change your mind, let me know.
Amen. You don't have to say amen for it to be right. I know that, but it is right. Submission will determine your destination. If you are a leader in this church, submission will determine your destination. If you are aspiring to do something in this church, submission will determine your destination. What's that mean? That means just because you're willing to do something doesn't mean it's a free-for-all. There is structure. There is government. There is organization. There is administration. All of that's in the Bible. There is a right and a wrong way to do something. That's why I want to lay the foundation for this series on connecting to God before we start connecting to things and people and jobs. Because you are of no value to this church connecting to a job if you are not first connected to God. At some level. All right? Now, now as you will learn in coming session that, that there are various levels of jobs that we have to offer in this church, you don't have to be a... A, a, uh, a licensed preacher to be able to do everything in this church. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to be able to do everything. There are things based on your lifestyle and where you're at in your walk with God that we have to offer. But you are not going to deviate from any of those circles of influence in your life until your walk with God progresses to a point that substantiates by the word of God you're ready. And it's okay. We need everybody. But we need all of those people, whether it's a level one, two, or three, or four, we need all of those people to be connected to God by some measure. You may, excuse me. You may not be as connected to God as pastor is. No one's asking you to be. But read your one verse, say your five-minute prayer, and come to church and worship. That's connecting to God. After we've understood the detractors, Lord, I've got to move. After we understand the detractors, we have to understand how to stay connected. In a blog post at socialworkhelper.com, an article entitled, How to Truly Be Truly Connected to People in Our Technology-Obsessed World, was published in August of 2017. It details five tips on how to accomplish being connected, which I find are applicable to us, whether we're talking about connecting to God or to people, we can find some nuggets of wisdom here. I'm going to give you their five tips as they're written, then I want to unpack them real quick just from a little bit more of a spiritual application tonight. Number one is smile. Number two is find local meetups or activities that like-minded people attend. Number three is turn off notifications. Number four is just say yes. And number five is learn to be on your own without technology. Now let's unpack that just real quick for just a moment from a more church-oriented perspective. If I have five tips on how to connect uh, to people in a technology-obsessed world or take the technology out of it, just in the world, smile. Look at your neighbor tonight and smile. Bible says, count it all joy. Listen to me. I'm not preaching perfection tonight. I'm preaching effort. Count it all joy. James 1 and 2. You don't have to pull it up, gentlemen. I'm just referring to it. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Let me tell you something. You are going to make a mistake. All of those of you with perfectionist tendencies, be cautioned. You are going to make a mistake. Smile. Smile not because you made the mistake, but smile because you re refuse to quit because you made a mistake. You are not looking at someone in shoe leather tonight that claims perfection. <clears throat> if you want a list of my flaws, see me after church. I have a well-developed oratory I can give you. But I tell you what I refuse to do, Brother Dennis Powell, I refuse to stop. Number 
two, find local meetups or activities that like-minded people attend. Church, rallies, retreats, conferences. Now, let me get honest here for just a second, all right? And I'm not trying to usurp any pastoral authority. So if I'm wrong, you can turn me off. Some of us used to do stuff like that. And we've replaced that activity with something else to the point that now we don't have time for as much spiritual activity in our life. And it shows. Did I enjoy marriage retreat? Absolutely. Was it a sacrifice? Undeniably. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Anything worth doing requires a sacrifice. Just leave that with you. Again, let that marinate for a while. Turn off notifications. Remove distractions from your walk with God. Newsflash, you are in control of your behavior. Stop trying to control everybody else's behavior. Put time in your own wheelhouse. Look at your own self. Because if I can see everybody else's flaws so crystal clearly, then I'm obviously not looking at mine. These are things that we need in our life to be connected to God, ladies and gentlemen. Number four, just say yes. Stop saying no to everything just because you're uncomfortable with it. If you have to always be comfortable with something in order to do it, not only will you never do anything, you're more concerned with yourself than you are with God. Now, I know that's strong. Now, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful tonight because that's not my intent. But we, we have to understand that this life that we live is not just about us. And there are inconveniences. There are things that happen in life, especially for leadership. There are things that happen that interrupt family, that interrupt children, that interrupt our lifestyle, that interrupt things that we prefer versus things that we don't prefer that we've just got to deal with. Because I'm more concerned with the outcome than I am with my own feelings. We have to be careful what we say no to. Number five, learn to be on your own. And what I mean by this is learn to stand on your own two feet. Make decisions, not excuses. Worship because you love God, not because the person next to you is worshiping. Now, I get the credit or blame, however you want to look at it, for people coming up front during worship from some years back. So because of that, I, I, I want to I take just a little bit of responsibility tonight to say something. Coming up here doesn't mean you're worshiping. And I say this as, as supportively and delicately as I can tonight with the love of God in my spirit. Coming up here, lining the walls, and clapping your hands is almost virtually of no value if there's no worship behind the effort. Your presence forward of the pews, it's not required, it's appreciated, but it's appreciated when there is a mode of worship with it. Pastor touched on this this morning. I already had my notes written, all right? This is not because of what he said, but he touched on it this morning when he was talking about how we, we unfortunately seem to fall into the guise of calisthenics. It's like spiritual yoga. We come to church and we're lifting our hands and we're clapping our hands and our lips are moving, but there is no worship. I want to call us back to a, a season of worship. And if you, let, let, me, let me just say this, and I hope this is okay, but if you need to stay at your pew to worship, get back at your pew. Because the whole point of us ever doing coming up here was to be unified in worship. And once upon a time when the forward worship mentality was here, it was here. 
Because when, when I come to church, I kind of just think about, you know, uh, I, I, I get this Old Testament mindset, and I'm thinking about, you know, historical things, and I just get this vision of the Ark of the Covenant in the center of the room, and, and in my spirit, I just want to be as close to the heat as I can get. I don't want to be on the perimeter. If, if that is hindering you, get back in your pew, clap your hands, love your God, and let worship come off of your lips. Because that is the single most important thing. It's not being up here. I think there's a lot of value to this. But not if it's a hindrance to you. Not if it's hampering you. Now, there is another layer of this. I do not have time to discuss it tonight. But I will ask the question rhetorically. Because there are some of you, and again, I am trying to be as polite and supportive as I can be. But there are some of you that line these walls that used to march these aisles. So it begs the question for me tonight, what is different in your walk with God today that you cannot move away from a wall that it was then when you couldn't stop you from marching an aisle? Now, that is just a question. And I don't need the answer. That's something that maybe you and God need to unpack. Somebody say amen. We need to be connected to God. And I've went about 25 minutes longer than I expected to. I am sorry. But I am closing tonight. We're going to land the plane. And we're going to land it with Ruth chapter 1, verse number 10. The story, and I was, I was so much appreciating pastor's teaching this morning because he touched on so many things that from, from a, a certain hour this morning. I, don't, I, won't, tell you, I won't tell you what time it was because it's not relevant. It was just early and it was dark outside. But from, from getting all the final preparations ready that uh, I, I had in here. And he, he touched on several points today, and I just really appreciated that confirmation. Ruth chapter 1, we, we know the Bible unfolds the story of, of, of Naomi and her family. And they leave the, the house of God, and they go to, to Moab, and they're there for 10 years. Her husband dies, her sons die. All she's left with is her daughters-in-law. And the Bible says, beginning in verse number 10, And they said unto her, this is, they is the daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpha, Surely we, speaking about themselves, will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old, to have a husband, if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them until they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, nay, daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Verse number 14 is a pivotal moment in the story. And the Bible says, and they lifted up their voice. This is, this is perhaps the three of them. And they wept again. The daughters-in-law and the mother-in-law, they're, they're weeping. Look at this. And Orpah kissed her. Hey, there's that mother-in-law. Thank God. Thank God for mother-in-laws. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. There's an inference there. She's saying goodbye. She's wept. Now, look though, she started off in verse 10 saying, oh, well, surely we'll stay with you. Good intentions are only as good as the follow-through. And after being entreated by Naomi and, and, and pressed to say, no, go away because I can't give you another son anyway, then she's like, okay, I'm free. But I'm going to cry a little bit first. Ah! And they lifted up their voice, they wept again, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, she's saying goodbye. But Ruth clave unto her. And she said, behold, thy sister-in-law is gone. This is, this is now Naomi saying to Ruth, thy sister-in-law is gone back to her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And now we see the ever so poetic response 
And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. That's the kind of daughter-in-law every mother-in-law needs. Father-in-law's too, I suppose. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Here's what I want to I hone in on as we, as we bring this down to a close tonight. And you can stand with me. That will help me make sure that I stop. Orpah and Ruth heard the exact same message from Naomi. Ruth connected. Orpah was only connected when it served her own purposes. Orpah wanted what Ruth wanted, but she didn't want to change to get it. She was limited by her own ideas, her own mentalities, her own self-limiting beliefs, defined by her Moab desires and heritage. She liked the idea of something else. She liked the sound of something else, but she didn't want to pay the price to connect to something that was different than her idol gods. Because of her connection or devotion to Naomi, Ruth was connected to her kinsman redeemer, Boaz. We heard it this morning. They marry. Ruth becomes the mother of Obed, who was the grandfather of David. And 27 generations after David, we have our Savior, Jesus Christ, as recorded in the book of Matthew. One connected, she ushered in a Savior. One disconnected, and she went back to a lifestyle of idol worship and sinful gods. I wonder if you just lift your hands with me right now and just begin to talk to the Lord in a season of worship for a moment. Say, God, I, I want to I be connected. I don't want to be caught in this life disconnected from the power source. I need you. I need you. I need you today, Lord, more than ever before. God, I'm not, I'm not looking, Lord, for, for reasons not to connect. I want to look for reasons to connect. This altar is open tonight so that you feel a little bit more freedom, perhaps. I want to just see how many we could get to just flood this front tonight together in a season of worship and prayer. Pastor is going to come. Take this microphone and lead us into this altar service tonight. But we need to be connected to God more today than we ever have been. And if that requires me to change, if that requires me to grow, if that requires me to be uncomfortable, then I've just got to somehow get in the presence of the Lord and worship and let God help me with that because I don't want to be lost. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our voices right now in prayer, whether in your seat or whether you're at the altar. Let's begin to talk to God. Amen. Let's be purposeful about our connecting to him. I want to be purposeful about my connection to the Lord. Hallelujah. It is vital. It is important to everything else that I do in my Christian walk and my Christian experiences to be connected with God. Hallelujah. If I endeavor to do anything else and miss that one priority there of being connected to him, everything else really just falls to second place. I must be connected to the Lord. Can you cry out to him right now? God, I want to be connected to you. I don't want there to be anything that would stand in my way, anything that I would allow to be a hindrance. God, whether real or perceived, God is real. I pray, oh Lord, right now, God, I want to make Lord Jesus be intentional about my connection with you. God, not to be happy hazard about it Lord as though it would accidentally take place or occur but God be intentional about my Lord connection with you Lord to give of myself and my time God through those things that were spoken of tonight prayer Lord the reading of your word God to some degree God no matter the number of chapters or necessarily the amount of time but God if we can be faithful on a daily basis God to make a connection through those venues I pray oh God it will add things into our life God that 
cannot be added through any other measure, through any other venue, I pray, God, but only come by those things, Lord, in the faithfulness, Father, to those things. God, hear our voice tonight. Hear our voice tonight, God. We don't want to excuse the Lord Jesus things away. God, we want to take responsibility. We want to take responsibility for our connection with heaven. God, we know, Lord, it is by no, Lord, account of yours. God, you desire to make connections with us. You desire to be with us. You desire, Lord, to invest yourself in our lives. But, God, we want to open ourselves up, our minds, our hearts. God, our lives. We want to open our lives up, Lord, to a connection of heaven. God, that is irrefutable, irrefutable, Lord Jesus, that it's there. That we know, that we know, God, that it is there. That there's the ebb and the flow of the things of God between us and you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah, God. I pray, Lord, you would open the windows of heaven. Pour it out, God, that we not be able to contain, but we got to have a connection with heaven. In order... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.